Hello, everybody, live from Town, California, a.k.a. Los Angeles. It's the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, the Icons, and I'm basking in the glow and the glory of a world championship. It feels so good from 32 years ago till now when I wasn't a Dodger fan to now that I am. It's time for Dodgers baseball. So don't tell me you're front running after 32 years. No, 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 no. I've been on the oh, team. Okay. They, I have the receipts to prove it, unfortunately. The, the upside about this year's championship is, is it didn't cost me a dollar. I uh, unfortunately didn't get to go to any games, but <laughs> it was good for my pocketbook. Man, oh, man, oh, man, did the Dodgers play some good baseball and some bad baseball, but they played some good baseball. I have to say, overall, it seemed as though Dave Roberts went feel more than analytics, and we watched a situation where analytics absolutely positively cost the Tampa Rays a chance at the World Series. It sure did. I mean, this that that was a faux pas. There's only one thing to talk about here, in my opinion, and that is how, why, what. I know you've heard it a million times, folks. This is coming from two guys that are baseball junkies. That was Cy right. Young Blake Snell that we watched in Game 6. He came out dominant. His fastball was explosive. His off-speed pitch was unhittable. He gave up two hits. He struck out nine guys over five and five and a five and a third. And, and we pull, pull him because somebody gets on. You somebody pull him gets a single. Gets on base. A single. Come on, man. <laughs> it wasn't like that was a bullet. Not even a double. A single. Yeah, not even a, you're not a walk. Even in any trouble. Yeah, I mean, not even a walk that shows that you've lost command. He was in good trouble. I mean, so so what the analytics are saying there is, is that you have to be absolutely perfect. Otherwise, you're getting pulled. Right. As if the guy coming in behind you is going to be absolutely perfect, which is absurd. You have to justify taking him out, and there's no justification for taking him out of that game, especially when it's do or die, because you, know, you, just can't. you know that you're not bringing anybody out of the bullpen that's going to do or execute a plan like he was executing it. He was sharp. His off-speed was working. I mean, the cheese was definitely working. I mean, he was hitting the spots. The cheese was so explosive. And it, it was paint. He was throwing the ball right by guys. Right. And usually we see Cody Bellinger with the softball swing, but I saw a lot of people with the softball swing. Everybody gave up the softball swing. Everybody gave up the softball Even swing. Even yeah. Mookie. He made Mookie look twice. bad those first I two. I did twice. <laughs> he made him look bad out there. And it's crazy because then we then see Mookie's coming up the third time and the numbers say the numbers are going to jump against Snell the third time through. That's just plain and simply not accurate. That might have been accurate for the season or last season. That night, if you were watching the game, there's no way that you believe the Dodgers had something cooking. There's just no way. Right. And not only that, that's the Blake Snell that nobody wants to run into. The Blake Snell that has confidence, that has the that goes nine. pitches, that goes nine. Even if he goes eight, it's enough. I mean, you can keep that one-run lead all the way to the eighth. Enough. And and not only that, I would even go as And then bring in Castillo and wrap it up. Exactly. I would go as far as to say that I would rather lose with him than to take it and put it into somebody else's hand after he's given me that gym. Especially somebody who has given up consecutive games with runs. I want to say he's given up runs. Fairbanks has given up runs in his last six appearances. And literally... Mookie gets goes down the line immediately. Like on you talk about, and it's crazy because the logic is so skewed. You're talking about the logic is they've seen Blake Snell twice. They're gonna see him a third time. So we need to get him out of there because they're gonna be familiar. 
Well, they've seen Anderson all series, every game. And the thing of it is, is that with um with Mookie and and the whole Dodger lineup, I think what the, did they say the after the fifth or the fourth or something like that, Blake Snell's ERA was up to seven or something crazy. Well, prove it this night. Prove you have to it. prove it. You this can, night we got to prove it. And, this and it was looking good to me. And the analytics bit you on the buttocks. Sure did. You should never make a move as a coach that the other team is thanking you for. And after the game, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, all of them said, yeah, we were pretty happy to see him get out of there. He was he was nasty. And Bellinger said something, something hilarious. Bellinger said, yeah, he was gross tonight. That was just gross. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking gross, dude. And it was. You could see it. He was telling the truth. You could, there was no answer for him. There was no answer for him, and it's not like the Dodgers pitchers did poorly. You know, they they gave up two. Uh, they gave up a no. run. If you get beat one to nothing, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, but one of the things that I saw that what happened to Tampa Bay is that they the pressure actually got to them, and they, they didn't cracked. actually. It's exactly what we've been talking about because that game was the Tampa Bay style game, the Padres style game, yes. where it's tight and it got too tight for them. Because of the coach. What happened to Jose Alvarado? He just And they had him on the roster, but they never brought him in. I don't know. Kevin Cash made a lot of questionable decisions, and he kept using the same guys over and over and over again. That's what I was going to say. With the, with the way that he used his bullpen, Nick Anderson had been closing, but then you went to Diego Castillo. I can understand that. Why don't you flip the script this time and go to Diego and then bring out Nick Anderson? He was in love with Anderson. He's in love with uh, uh, Aaron Loop. Fairbanks. He was in love with Fairbanks, who Mookie Betts was also not impressed with, and he decided to go to launch to seal the deal in the eighth. That extra run was big. I don't think they were scoring uh, off of Urias anyways, but that extra that little cushion is big because that puts you in a position where you can throw fastballs in the zone early in the count, late in the count, because even if you let a guy get on base, he only potentially is the tying run that's coming up to the plate. Now, another thing that tripped me out about what I just saw, Mookie goes down the line, makes it, second and third, wild pitch, of course. And then they take out Mike Zanino like Mike Zanino did something wrong. <laughs> you bounce a slider and you're mad at the catcher. Mike Zanino's been blocking dirty pitches all series, all postseason. I'm not mad at Mike Zanino, to be honest. Well, what made me sick more so than that was watching these guys take cheese down the middle to end the game. This Too is where I was going. That was That's where I was going. So we get to the end. I understand working the count. It's clear that Urias is throwing strikes. That's not in question. He right. came in throwing strikes, and he maintained throwing strikes throughout his uh, eight outs that he got, seven, eight outs, whatever it was that he got. So I just can't for the life of me understand how you get two strikes. I think Brousseau, I think Brousseau struck out swinging or maybe popped out. But the last two guys literally took cheese right down the middle for the World Series. Adamus took a fastball right down the middle Middle in, and he's a power hitter. That's the kind of ball you can go to launch on, right? What are you, what are you doing? That's center cut, man. And you, but you this is the pressure. Knock. You got to go in battle mode. You don't go. No, you yeah, fold. This is the this, pressure. This is you the pressure. literally just. You watch two major league ball players take ninety-five mile an hour fastballs right down the middle of the plate, and they lost. In the words of uh, uh, Mister Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> they lost. They made their cost in the World Series. The data says, yeah. And it ended up four to two because you can fight a pitch off so that you can get him to make a mistake. The more pitches you see, the more chances you have of him making a mistake. But if you just take cheese down the middle, I'm like Urias. 
I'm going to throw it. They're not swinging. They're not swinging. And you nobody walk walk? on base. I'm not walking nobody. <laughs> I got fuzz for you. Right. Answer the bell. Can you do it or not? Answer the bell. I like that name. It's a nice name. I mean, and so you you know, we watch the situation. It's kind of unbelievable. And then the whole thing gets tainted because Justin Turner had disappeared. And we were trying to figure out what happened. And you come to find that he tested pause for COVID. And you think about that was all cool. of the different stuff that could have happened in game seven if they lose that game. For one, we don't know who else has tested positive, first and foremost. Right. Secondly, obviously, Turner wouldn't be playing, which is a big loss because he's a leader on the team. Right. Uh, and he was showing – He was showing, man, he really wanted it. And this is what I like so much about the yep. Dodgers winning this because it was this core group of guys that won it. Turner has been there – from the beginning of this Dodger run, they gave him a home when he was a journeyman ball player and he came back home and actually got busy and they gave him a chance and he's shown improved for the right. last six years or seven years, however long he's been on the squad. And very rarely would you watch the game and say it was Justin Turner's fault that they lost very, very rarely uh, on the flip side, ever since Kenley Kiki Jansen is the same way. Yeah. They did the same thing with Kiki, but ever since Kenley Jansen, had his heart issue, he has been blamed for a lot of the losses. And to see him get a ring and participate, it wasn't like he didn't do anything this postseason. He got a ring. He participated. Corey Seager, who Dodger fans as well treated, as well as the organization, treated like a redheaded stepchild once he got hurt. We saw him at the Kershaw's Challenge. And uh, I told him when he was when he was doing the rehab for his uh, – for his what was that the Tommy John for his arm to keep his head up man and that the fans were still oh, with Tommy him John and his and his was his hip as well might have been I know he had two injuries and yeah man he came yeah, back and showed up and his uh, and his elbow and the ultimate he's a great baseball player he's a great baseball player his whole family's full of chock full of baseball players great baseball players and yeah. the ultimate Hall of Famer arguably the greatest pitcher of all time. And Clayton Kershaw got the ring. And I don't want to hear anybody say anything to him. Yeah. About him because he gave you two wins and he gave you great work personally in the World Series. It wasn't like he was just there for the ride. He actually contributed to the team. He had two games where he shut him down. I mean, he got into some trouble and he shut him down. Out of trouble when he was in trouble. (laughs) He thought they thought they had him in trouble and he had them in trouble. It was really impressive. He exploited it. They were young and they were anxious, and he just went to town on them. Carved. He didn't even. I don't even know if he threw. I don't even know if he threw one strike that inning where he was in trouble. In that last game, like the fourth or fifth inning. Yeah, yeah, in that last game, and he got in trouble he in the first up. inning and carved. If you remember, yeah, it was just a. It was a good series overall. Tampa Bay folded under the pressure, and this is a learning process. Yep. to get over the hump. I just thought like that the they just year. did. Yeah. I thought that they had it this year. But also, in listening to the conversations after the game, it sounded like it was a passing of the torch because the way that they were thanking the certain guys, like Ken Lee, you get the feeling that he won't be back, and Justin Turner, and even Clayton, uh, Kiki Hernandez. They tried to get rid Clayton of Josh Peterson last back. year, and it didn't work because uh-huh. of, of a bad physical. And they, and they were blessed because of that, but... Literally, you listen to the conversation. It doesn't. I think that Bruce Dar will probably be the closer next yeah, year. Yeah, Gratterall will probably close. Yeah. Urias will definitely be a starter. Bueller's going to be yeah. a starter. You think that May will be a starter? Maybe Gonsolin. And you still got at least three more Gonsolin's years gonna get of it. of Kershaw effectiveness 
You know, it might not be all out dominance like we've been used to seeing, but unlike a lot of pitchers who were power pitchers, you've seen Clayton Kershaw make an adjustment on what his stuff does now. And it's really impressive. Right. Like CC. Yeah. Yeah, just like CC. CC made the adjustment. They understand how to get hitters and Pedro out. Martinez. Understanding that it's about getting your timing and, and keep you off balance. Yeah. And and he knows how to do that. He's just showed it. He just showed it. On the biggest stage. Yeah, he got it done. He got it done. It's just so nice to see. Clayton sent me out a beer from his charity for being involved all the years, and I saved it. Vintage beer, Kershaw's Wicked Curve, Grapefruit Wheat Ale. I've been saving it crack for the championship. <laughs> and if we weren't on live, I'd crack me open, but believe it, crack me open a brew. Congrats, Kirsch. Very happy about that. Very happy for the city because, guys, L.A. is now title town. LeBron James, I'm not a Laker fan. I am a LeBron James fan. Uh, LeBron James brought it home for the Lake Show. Kirsch brought it home uh, for the Dodgers. L.A.'s been going through it this year. We've had earthquakes. We have devastating fires. You sent me a video. It looked like a fire was at the end of your driveway the other day. Uh, the smoke is bad. The air is bad. Right. Uh, obviously, the pandemic the is, is bad. The racial tension's been over the top. We really needed these championships. And so hopefully this will, you know, turn things around. The only downside right now, the only downside is that LeBron was calling for a parade. <laughs> I don't know why we would do that. Because <laughs> you can Google that. I didn't know that he was calling for a parade. <laughs> That's hilarious. The only person yeah. I left out on this uh, Dodgers talk segment, and I left him out on purpose because he deserves his own segment, and we can go into it is the best player in baseball. He should have been the MVP. He clearly was the MVP of the team because one guy changed and one guy came and one guy got the job done on every side of the ball, and that guy is Mookie Betts. The Boston Red Sox messed up. There's absolutely no reason that you should let a guy with that skill set ever get away from your organization especially over money when you have a bunch of money and the Red Sox have a bunch of money. This guy came to town and you could see the reverence with which other players throughout the playoffs would talk to Mookie in when he's at second base, when he steals a bag, when he's just playing defense, when he scores. You watch Mookie Betts put his stamp on every win of every playoff game throughout the Dodgers run. It was incredible to watch. And we have long since championed on this show that he's the best. Jump into it. I just wanted to say that. For years now, we've talked about how he's the best player in baseball. And that is no disrespect to Mike Trout. Because Mike Trout, it's not like it's a runaway. And we're not saying that. Mike Trout is a monster. There's just let's, let's get that out there. There's no two ways about it. Mookie Betts now has two championships, one MVP, and now it's on you. But the way that Mookie Betts plays the game, it translates into wins, and that's the big thing. And, and this is where this war statistic is flawed because Mookie Betts does everything that you need to do to win the game. He'll throw a guy out. He'll steal a bag. He can bunt. He, I mean, he can climb over the fence. You, he's, he made some of those plays look so easy, and one of the biggest things that he does that he doesn't get enough credit for is that he elevates his teammates. Clearly. He made Cody Bellinger be believe in himself. He made that whole organization believe that they can win. Even when he didn't have, you know, he had bad at bats or not great at bats because he was going against tough pitchers. And if anybody's ever played a sport and you've been the, the, the special guy on the team, the teams focus on you. Exactly. 
but he still found ways to produce. He found ways to and, produce. And you know every coach said, we're not going to let Betts beat us. Exactly. Those those plays that he made with his legs still in those runs at home are crazy. We, we I mean, watched but, the exact same play happen several times in this series and in the last series with the Braves where guys got cut down at home. We watched Corey Seager throw right. guys out on a contact plays. Manuel Margot got thrown out at home. Uh, I think Randy Arozcompoia got thrown out at home, which we need to go over the race as well because this guy is incredible. I'm, we're talking world-class speed these guys have. But they may not have the right secondary yeah. lead. They may not have They may not have been set up to score there. Mookie scored the go-ahead run right, and then hit a home run in the eighth. I mean, this guy, I, I honestly – to seal the deal, he his game soup the nuts really puts you in the mind of a Ricky Henderson when it comes to the style of dominance that he has. That was a dominant performance from Mookie Betts. Right, we watched him dominate. Literally, I don't think that people respect that though. They don't, I don't because because nowadays the audience has been groomed and educated to believe that it's all bombs, 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 and if it's not bombs away, it, it wasn't really that impressive. And we all know that that's not the case. Right. Look how, I mean, because even with Cody Bellinger, he wasn't doing it offensively, but defensively, he played a great center field. Great center and with him and playing a great center field, one he, of the reasons why. when he wasn't why. there, not to cut you off, but when he wasn't there, it actually cost them the game. That's that game they lost because Cody Bellinger yeah. wasn't in Every center time. field. But one of the reasons why his game is elevated is because of a guy like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts makes you that much better. You have confidence in going to get the ball. First and foremost, you know you got a backup. And then you know that he's he's positioned right. He's probably talking to him in the outfield to get this guy relaxed because he understands that he has a problem getting over the hump. I felt like it was very disrespectful for them to not acknowledge because you should have gave him at least a co-MVP if not for anything, because the Dodgers have been there several times and have not been able to get over the hump with that team that they have. With most of those exact same elements. And Mookie was the difference. There's one everyday player that was different, and it was Mookie Betts. Yeah. And when and when you get that, even as a pitcher, you look at him and some of the plays he made, and when he made those crazy plays, the, the pitchers turn around and look at him like, the pitchers clap. Steak dinner. <laughs> Come on, man. The pitchers take their hat on, off. Man. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, do, they do give him a shimmy. The pitchers do everything because they recognize that he saves runs. It's just like you said. His, the way that he dominates translates to victories, just straight up and down. There's right. no, there's no other way about that. You can have gaudy. It's not about patents yeah, or about any of that kind of and stuff. Unfortunately, though, yeah. he gets punished by not getting the award that he deserved because he didn't pad his stats. But the stats that mattered, a lot right. of which don't end up, they go in between the numbers. They don't show up unless you watch the whole game and you know what you're watching. That sort of dominance is really, really underrated. Well, I looked at an MLB ranking now, and Mookie Betts is number one all of a sudden. And I've been saying this for a long time, man, because this guy was not in the, the Los Angeles, New York market, and he was in Boston market. And if you want to see the effect of a Mookie Betts, look at Boston now that he's gone. This is going to be the worst trade since Babe Ruth. Exactly. I mean, this is terrible, man. Remember when Boston market came you out? You can't get rid of a Mookie Betts. Boston market, this used to be lines around the block when that Boston market was considered fast casual and it came out. You remember that? They right. put a lot of places yeah, like Arnold's out of business. Chicken. It was right. just baked chicken and some turkey. <laughs> they gave you a Thanksgiving feel year-round. People couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, sorry, side note. Yeah, but this dude, man, uh, you just you can't say enough about him. And, and he also made a, a really dope video for the city that uh, you should go on my page and check it out on Twitter if you'd like. Now, 
Speaking of the Rays, the Rays also have a bright future. I got to speak with the Rays owner last year, and I told him that they were one bat away from getting to the World Series. They went out and got quite a few bats, but the one that mattered the the most was Randy Arrozarena. I affectionately called Arroz Con Boyal, and that dude is a gamer. And I expect yeah. the, I saw that they thought he they could get him on changeups, and he showed them that that wouldn't work either. Uh, he's going to be one. Hell like, of no, a ball I just get player. in the right field bleachers. I get in the right field seats, or I stay back and then I drive yeah. it. To, you know, in five six hole. Really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean the guy. The, he's a special talent, and I think a lot of times where people I, I said it to you before is that this guy is coming from Cuba. The pressure from the World Series is is real, but for a guy like that who's been in an oppressive situation, just getting off the island and get to cut loose like this, and he wants to show the talent that they have from Cuba, it's not like that kind of pressure for him. He, You could tell that he's passionate and enjoys the game, and, and, and that's what it's he's about. Prideful. He's proud of his game, yeah. proud of his work. It, you can see him making adjustments during the at-bats. You saw him make an adjustment the bat. They struck him out on that changeup, and he was waiting for him and ambushed him the next time. He's like, no. That doesn't work either. That doesn't work, man. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I have burners. And, you know, I got, you know, and he understands. Of course, he's going to tighten up his game. He's a rookie. The Cardinals made a mistake by getting rid of him. Did. Man, 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 man. What a series. I really didn't think the Dodgers were going to win in six. I thought they were going to win in seven. I thought that there was going to be more pressure put, and I thought that they were going to go Bueller to Kershaw. And, uh, Kudos to Coach Roberts because when he got ahead, he went for the jugular. He went for it in game six. He really did. He he emptied the bullpen of of his top arms and he got busy. Now I'm I was I don't actually I thought if it went to game seven that I if it went to game seven, I thought that the, the Rays would and I thought they were gonna go to a game seven because I didn't think that that guy would take out Blake Snell. I thought that the Rays had him because he had to use his bullpen. And once he brought in Urias, and I and I thought to myself that if they can get to Urias, he doesn't have anything after that. This is so that's that what I was saying. Urias, it was gonna go Bueller to Kershaw to, to, on to Sunday. Jansen. I mean Bueller on to Kershaw Sunday. to training or something yeah. like that. But uh you know, that's just unbelievable. I, you just if you're the casual fan. I've had casual fans call me and ask, why did he take him out? <laughs> it, and there's no logical answer at all. This this was... I can't say anything. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't, there's no logic. There's no logic with that. But very satisfied, happy with the Dodgers, happy that they got it done. Uh, definitely going to have to field some Dodgers calls. I actually didn't line up anybody. I know Troy OG wants to speak bad on the Dodgers and the organization I wonder how David Price feels with opting out of the the, the coronavirus season. Um, he probably feels safe at home and wealthy, but he could have potentially had him another ring. Uh, he's still going to get a ring. <laughs> you know, he just, he's still going to get him a ring, oh. <laughs> <laughs> still going to get a ring. He just didn't participate in getting that ring, but I don't blame him with Justin Turner running around here spreading COVID. So here we go. There's an investigation going on now because – they ask people, the CDC, and in general, they ask you that if you test positive for COVID, you're supposed to go into isolation for two weeks. And then you're not supposed to come out of isolation until you get consecutive negative COVID tests. Justin Turner couldn't isolate for two hours. <laughs> two weeks. He got pulled from the game. He went in the back. They win the World Series. 
They announced that he's got COVID. Next thing you know, he's back out on the field kissing the trophy. Huh? Uh, a madman. <laughs> he was a madman. He's a dog in here. A freak without warning. Appetite <laughs> is COVID because he is so bossy. Oh, he's so bossy. Oh, he's so bossy. Oh, he's so bossy. Oh, so bossy. Me COVID long time. <laughs> it's all bad. At least 14 days. Come on, man. Yeah, because the dude literally, then he sat next to Dave Roberts. Who's a cancer and survivor? And took his mask off. Who's a cancer survivor? Come on, man. I don't. Re- I think I understand how you want to celebrate and everything else, but this is the price that you have to pay. Somewhere or another, you broke protocol and got COVID. This is life or death. Now, you tested dirty. Yeah, this is life or death. This is not the trophy. You don't get to take that trophy with you. This is it. So I, I understand Mookie Benson. Now, this is where Mookie did have it wrong because he said, I, you know, I, he want to give him a pass and everything because he's a teammate. But you got a potential to spread this to your family members. I, I to, guess the way know, that he looked at it was, I've been sitting in the dugout with y'all for eight innings. <laughs> and chances are I already gave it to you guys anyways, but it's just un it's it seems unwise. It seems stupid. With everything that we've seen careless. now, that it's 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 careless and it's selfish. Eight months into the pandemic, yes. it's not a secret on how to control the pandemic. Yet our desire and our relationship as humans to be around other humans is we prove we've proven it's stronger than our discipline to protect uh the the more weak or feeble among us it's going to be interesting to see if they release who else if anybody ends up testing pods for covid hopefully he's not a super spreader seriously or that wasn't a super spreader because you, you had a bunch of guys on the field and he and I even if he was going to break ranks and go and do his own go rogue he should have he should have put his mask on dude leave your mask on you they just said you tested it I mean you know just you tested dirty so like just <laughs> just just said and he just basically saying screw you dude I'm doing it my way man <laughs> he, I did it my way he gave him the scratch hundred percent did. So, yeah, wow. Well, staying in baseball, some interesting news. The White Sox hired Coach Tony La Russa uh, to be their manager. Now, what's your take? I'm, I have mixed feelings. What, what's your take on that? I understand why everybody's upset. First and foremost, I like to see young talent get incorporated and get new positions and even, you know, some younger faces or young diverse faces on the scene. Tony La Russa is a baseball man. I feel like that He's not like a buck show, Walter. No. So Tony Russo seems to be the type of guy that gets along with everybody. And we've actually met him a few times. He's a really, really nice, gentle guy. I think that the young guys might be able to learn a lot from him. So I think that if they take that with a positive uh, positive note and try to learn from him, not signing for no long-term contract or anything like that, you know, but give him an opportunity maybe to groom these guys so they can give up, get over the hump. So I'm not – I mean, the only thing that I don't like is that that means that another, another younger guy or diversification-wise didn't get an opportunity because there's a lot of baseball people out there. It's just that Tony La Russa is a proven winner. He's a it's proven winner. The that. last time you saw him on a baseball field, he was hoisting up a trophy in 2011. He won the last right. game of the year. And, you know, like you said, we've met him. Tony's a great guy. He's a He's a real personable guy, gets along with everybody. His baseball knowledge is not in question whatsoever. He's a baseball guy. And I refuse right. to believe that he's going to be ruled by any sort of analytics. I don't see that happening with Tony at all. Um, no. He may, you know, he's no. going to use the data and the information, but he's not going to be ruled by analytics. Then I also think 
they saw how close they got and what kind of potential they have with them making the playoffs in this season and the series that they put up. Um, I think that they realized that with all that young talent, they need a vet of some sort. They decided he was the one. Um, I think, just like you said, if they're going to take this on the positive, then it's going to be good as long as there's no hard feelings. And I think a lot of these young guys, if you look at Tony LaRusso's rosters over the decades, it's a diverse bunch, and he gets guys to the World Series, and he gets you right. up, just straight up and down. He also knows how to put a bunch of young guys there. as well. Yeah, and so I think that there's going to be success. And he puts people in positions to win. Exactly. And I think there's going to be success there, and, uh, you know, they're on the right track. I, I also read that they said Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox and the Bulls, it was his biggest regret that he ever let Tony LaRusso go. So this is him writing a wrong when the opportunity came up. So I thought that was interesting. So hopefully it is a short term. Hopefully it's not too late. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Moving on, though, because there's a lot of this. This week is just a a box extravaganza in the world of boxing. And we need to get it out and figure out who you got. We got big fights this weekend. The biggest of the weekend is the Monks L.A. All-Star Leo Santa Cruz at 130 against Javante Tank Davis. I got my feeling on the fight. It's happening in San Antonio with fans. This is going to be the first fight that we see with fans uh, since the pandemic hit. Who you got? How's it going down? You know what? This is a tough one to call because it's all pending on what Tank shows up. Tank has shown uh, on and off that he's not disciplined enough. He looks he's, His weight looks good, but I don't know how he lost that weight. So that's that's a big, big thing right there. I know that they said he's been training for like 14 weeks for this fight. But I see a lot of people thinking that Leo is going to get walked through for some reason, and he's not the champ. He, he's not that 37-1-1 for nothing. This dude can <laughs> actually box. And not only that, I've seen Tank look not up to code against the guy who had the bad Achilles. Or an Achilles in, in the second the, round. From the, from the second round, and he touched Tank up a couple of times. So I, I'm I'm up in the air with this one. I It literally needs to – I need to see – what tank is showing up before, you know, because we know he has potential, but all that stuff about, I don't believe that he's going to knock out Santa Cruz. I don't believe and that. Leo has been asking to fight tank for more than a year now. So yes. clearly Leo believes that he sees something in him that he can beat. Leo is an LA all-star. He's a, a, a champion. Like you said, he's 37, one and one for a reason. And I believe that with heart, it goes with Leo. And that makes it very difficult to bet against Leo. But Javante is the bigger, stronger, younger, more athletic fighter. And normally that spells success. The problem is, is we don't know, like you said, has Tank been going to the club? Is he messing around? Sekback told me he's been in the camp and he's visited a few times. And this is the most focused that he has ever seen Tank. He said Tank told him he recognizes that the stakes are high. And he recognizes that this is his shot to really make a name to catapult into fighting other names. Now, I think it's suspect that the fight is on pay-per-view. I don't think that that's necessary, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's Showtime pay-per-view. I really think Saturday that they night. hurt that, that bout with that 75. Especially when that's you just saw a, arguably the fight of the year on sa- last Saturday with Loma and Tiafimo for free. Or Saturday before right. last for, for free on ESPN. And now you're going to hit me for 75? And nobody got Come 75 on, in the pandemic, man. For for a fight that's, I mean. With a guy that has go. a hard time making weight? 
Yeah. I don't know about I that. Mean, I mean, it's hard to throw 75 at that. It's hard to throw 75 at that. Uh, I think that the the thing that I see working in Javante's uh, favor, which we've already said he's younger, stronger, uh, bigger, is that Leo likes to get hit. And I don't think Tank yeah. is the kind of guy that you can trade and just get hit with. The thing that's not working in his favor is that Leo knows every trick in the book. Yes. He knows every trick in the book. And I just, I, I'm with you. I don't think Leo gets walked through. I favor uh, Tank on the edge from what I've heard about his his uh, his camp. But camp. it's hard to call. It's really hard to call. It's hard to bet against Leo because I've seen Leo. This is a tough one to call. He, I've seen Leo, and I've seen him dig. Yeah. He's got hard. The Mars fight was awesome. Oh, man. We sat at ringside for that fight. And people keep but people keep saying that he hasn't fought anybody. And Whatever. I you know, and the thing of it is the tank really hasn't gotten a lot under his belt either. And when you come to experience, I have to go to Leo because you know, even though Tank is a big puncher, the jab is an equalizer. And the biggest thing that Leo has to stay away from is just trying to go toe to toe with him, which we know that eventually he's gonna do. He can mix it up, but you gotta get him in the right situations to do that. Maybe you can get him frustrated. Tank definitely has the tools to to, you know, because he's a young and up and coming monster right. but i mean he's got to prove it yeah he's got to prove it i mean potential and, and that's what i yeah. like about tiafimo because tiafimo called all of those guys out all of them for who they choose to fight mm-hmm. and who they have fought and who they have fought and whether or not they're you know uh, taxi drivers or whatnot next fight up is actually tomorrow night with jaime mungia versus toriano johnson now mungia earlier this year decided he was going to move up to 160 he always looked like a very big 54. It didn't look 50, he didn't look right at 54. Uh-huh. But I don't know if his skill set is going to transfer at 60 personally. Because them boys at 60, you're running into a Charlo type space. You're running into a Canelo. You're running into a Triple G. You're running into a Dara Vajenko. You got to bring your best for these guys. He dispatched a Spike O'Sullivan in his last fight. And this guy is a more solid uh, middleweight. But he's also not anything great. He's just solid. And it'll be interesting to see because Jaime Munguia is explosive. He does hit hard, but he lacks fundamental defense, and that's a problem. Yeah, and, and he throws long punches, wide punches. Long punches. <laughs> excuse me. Wide but, um, punches. <laughs> and <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> sir. But uh, I, th- I think that, you know, uh, this this fight definitely is set up for Munguia to win. For sure. And it's a, like a tune-up for him to to leap to, to leapfrog to another fight. So I don't really think that – I think this fight, fight probably goes like five or six rounds and he should get Johnson out of there because Johnson is, you know, more like a journeyman than anything. He's a, definitely a, a bigger guy. a little bit of appeal, though, that it could go. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, yeah I hear it you. does. And it could be a test, but I don't really feel like there's a threat for Munguia to lose. Right. Well, speaking of this, the, the proper setup – Alexander Usyk was the best uh, fighter in the world. He never showed up on anybody's pound-for-pound list for years, and he was the only unified champ with all the belts in any division for a long time. And that was at... You've been high on him for a long time. He was unbeatable. Man, I've seen him make really good guys look really bad, like really bad. And... We saw him fight a guy that was shaped like me last time, and he was a heavyweight, and it didn't – he didn't take those punches well, and that guy was not great by any means. 
And I'm concerned about Usyk at the heavyweight level because he's fighting Derek Chisora. And Chisora, as we've seen, knows all the dirty tricks. He's the gatekeeper in the heavyweight class for uh, quite a while now. This fight is going to be on the zone, and it's happening, I think, either in London or Eastern Europe somewhere. And so it's coming on early. Um, This is going to be a good test because there's a lot of people who want to throw Usyk, and Usyk himself wants to jump straight to the Anthony Joshua's and the Tyson Furies of the world and so on and so forth. And we're going to see what happens because him and Loma are buddies. Both of them like to get started late. And in the heavyweight division, I don't think you can get started late. You get he gets late early in the heavyweight division. Right. <laughs> he could be on his back, and Chisora could actually get him out of there. And he didn't take punches well the last time. The last time we saw him, what I didn't like to see was Chisora didn't look like he was ch- chiseled. <laughs> he's not chiseled, man. <laughs> he's looking like he's got, got a couple couple layers barely flat on him that he shouldn't be carrying. But maybe that's just a disrespect that he has for Usyk. Usyk definitely has the skill set, but does he have the punch? to get some of these guys out of there. And that's a problem like the the qualified Chisora's, the Takams, and all these guys. Yeah. You know, Chisora, you know, he shouldn't pose big um, as much of a problem as we seem like he, he poses. That's a that's a problem in and of itself. He shouldn't pose that kind of a problem for a guy with Usyk's, you know, skill set. I want to see what Usyk comes in weighing at. I'm very interested to see about that. Uh, because I want to see what Chisora comes way in, <laughs> and he might get him out of there. Because one thing Usyk is is he's committed to the craft. He doesn't come in sloppy. He's always prepared, always, and he, and he he's ready to go. I just didn't really like the way that he took the punches last time. It looked like they really affected him getting punched by the journeyman, by the cab driver, and so you know. I need to see him take these punches, especially when you're talking about leapfrogging and taking somebody's belts. I don't feel I never felt like he he deserved the opportunity to jump from cruiserweight to straight to fight the heavyweight champion to take his belts or to get the opportunity to take his belts when there's other guys waiting in line. And uh, so he's got to prove himself. He's, he needs to get a couple. And I think that he, conditioning wise, he needs to just to get conditioned to taking big punches. I think so, too. And we're going to see. We're going to see. There's a lot of boxing to watch on Saturday. Then we have the sensation, uh, the Japanese sensation, Naoya Inoue, is making his top-ranked debut on ESPN+. And he's fighting this Saturday. You know, we watched last year a fight with Nanito Denaire. Man, that was a great fight. Man, man, man. And and Nanito looked like he had... Could have been the fight of the year, maybe. right? And, and Nanito looked like he had him in some serious bad trouble. And then Inouye busted his nose and so on and so forth, and Inouye turned the beat around, and he dropped Nanito, and that's what won him to fight. And uh, he's, yeah. he's fighting Maloney. Maloney said he's watched the Nanito fight five or six times, and what it showed him is that Inouye is available to get hurt, and surprisingly easily. And uh, so he believes because he's had success sparring Nanito, that should translate. As we know, that's like saying you have success in batting practice, which doesn't necessarily translate to when Blake Snell comes out with 97 <laughs> on the black. Uh, but we're going to see. That kid's really good. No. But you know, he he literally had a uh, broken orbital bone. Nonito broke his orbital bone in that fight, and he fought through it. So this dude's going to really have to bring something to make this this kid quit. He's going to have to bring something. Or to stop him. And on that undercard, we have a, the rising star with uh, this Michaela Mayer. She's fighting uh, a Brodnika, and that's a super uh, featherweight division. She's making a lot of noise. She was an Olympic fighter. And this is going to be interesting to see because women's boxing seems like it's here to stay and it's making, you know, it's, it's making leaps and bounds. It, it's uh, making noise nowadays. And that'll be an interesting card to see if they can get some traction on her and on that fight in general. 
Oh man, yeah. so much to cover. Just it's hard for it's hard for females to go mainstream. It is. It really is. Uh, but definitely when they announce, when Clarissa Shields announces her next fight after that, she wants to come on the Ozone and speak on it. I spoke with her the other day. Uh, we got to start getting y'all some more boxers on. Now that baseball and basketball are done, we can focus a bit more on boxing. Football's happening right now. Thank God I have Curtis Samuel in my lineup. and He's out here busting heads with two tugs already. We're only in the second quarter. Happy about that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, duh. That's what's happening. You got anything else you want to cover on this World Series edition of the Ozone? Uh, we pretty much covered it all besides a little bit of football. We got OBJ injury. Cam got benched. Uh, Cowboys are terrible. AB's getting another chance. And let's just talk about AB for a second. What in the world? It, it's, Does it stand for all bad? <laughs> I'm interested to see what happens because you would think that after everything that he did, you really wouldn't want an AB in your locker room. That's how right. it would come, you know, that's how it would come off to me. I agree. And one of the things about A.B. is that it's too many times, there's too much other talent out there to spend a lot of time, even though he was an elite talent at one time. But to just go and bypass some of that younger talent that might be out there to bring an A.B. back, just, you know, be, and take that potential to sidetrack or derail your team. And I don't he, think I, that, that he, I don't think that he's his talent is in question. I think that he's also a guy that no. some time off may have potentially helped. We're just talking about his mind because this is right. this is it's always that's only been the problem. His ability has never been the yeah. problem. He's consistently either number one or number two best receiver in the game. And it seems right. as though what Brady is doing is saying, well, for the two weeks that I had him on my team, I believed and he believed. And so we're going to get him back on and see what we can do there. But, I mean, I'm really surprised because I thought he was done. After the way that he went after the commissioner, I after too. the way that he threw uh, the got into it with the police, Big Ben, the way he got into it with Ben, the way he got into it with Chucky, out in Oakland, releasing the phone call, personal phone call from the coach. I really thought there was a lot. You know, I, I thought he was finished. I'm surprised that they gave him another shot. I really am. The sexual, uh huh, sexual misconduct thing. I mean, I am too, and I and I'm all for giving guys another opportunity. But I feel like everybody has to respect their opportunities when they get them. When they get them, and, and I don't know if he's respecting. Now, hopefully, he respects this opportunity that he's getting again. But still, there's only one football out there, and Mike Evans is actually better than A.B. at this point. And so with that, you got Grunk, A.B., Godwin, and a nice tight end with a running back. Is he going to start crying as soon as he gets there after a couple of games if he doesn't get the ball? They got a monster. They have a monster core. They have a monster core of receivers. So how you spread the ball around, I don't know, especially since Brady isn't necessarily going deep like that, you know? No, not anymore. The old wing ain't what it used to be. Well, you know, and Gronk is having a resurgence. This is just going to be interesting to see because that was what was at stake was whether or not Tampa was going to be title town or L.A. was going to be title town because they won the hockey and they could have got hockey and baseball. Now it looks like, and they were talking about football. We'll see if the Rams make any noise. But we want to call back with Trucker Dave to get that. And truth be told, I want to put up another pod tomorrow because we're going to get you guys some college football picks. It's been a while. Next victim's been on my helmet to get his picks up. He said he's doing well. He said he can make some people some money. I said we got to give the man a shot. So we're going to come back at you tomorrow with another edition of the Ozone with more cast of characters. But we just wanted to get this Dodgers edition out and make Terry eat some crow because he didn't believe.
<sighs> I like it. The ozone. I still don't believe. <laughs> it's okay. They got ringed up. Shortened season. They got him one. Yeah, it's shortened season. They got the rings. It's all good. I'm going to leave you with a quote, not from Bitter Beer Fate here, but from, uh, put an Astros by it. What was that? Not from the bitter beer face here, but um, yeah, put an astral to buy it. A Philip Randolph, which is equality is the heart and essence of democracy, freedom and justice, equality of opportunity in industry and in labor unions, schools and colleges, government politics and before the law. There must be no dual standards of justice, no dual rights, privileges, duties or responsibilities of citizenship. No dual forms of freedom. Only freedom, folks. We're in the United States of America, and it is your right to vote. Make sure you exercise that right. Vote early if you can and vote in person because they're trying to cheat out here. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I want to remind you that we are all in this thing together, and this is the Ozone. Ozone. Ozone.